Hello, boys and girls. Uh, TMA, the Legends podcast. Um, personally, for me, this is um, one of the one of the kind of players that doesn't get any bigger for me. Um, one of my childhood heroes. Um, one I've been desperate to get on for a, a good, good while. Um, Mr. David Holdsworth. Evening, sir, or afternoon, even. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Thank you ever so much. Um, yeah, I just want to crack straight on. I know we we were talking about leaders and. Um, certainly you were a leader back then, no doubt about it, but, um, I want to crack on with your uh, career first, if that's all, if you don't mind, uh, professionally, professionally with, with your brother, um, with your brother, um, Dean as well. And you made your professional debut with the Hornets, but how, how did you get spotted? Because it, I mean, it wasn't just literally just walk straight into Watford. You were playing, were you playing youth football at the time? Yeah, I mean, I go back and I mentioned a guy, you asked me about that. We were spotted playing in East London and um, by a gentleman, a guy, a scout, Watford scout, and um, people may know of him and may recall of him, but a guy called Ken Brooks. I was playing for London and playing for Essex um, schools um, and Ken came down to a, a place called Barkingside in, just on the outskirts of East London there. And um, Ken took used to take us over to training on a Tuesday and a first Thursday night with uh, with Tom Wally over at the the, um, the school there, and um, yeah, well, you know, at the time I was lucky enough to be asked by a few clubs at that time, but Watford was certainly the place that you know our hearts were set on. Yeah, well, is there any particular thing that appealed to you, or was it just like it's Watford coming? You know, you saw the setup, Tom Wally, play, people like that. You thought, oh my god, you know. But the thing was. It was I was we were West Ham boys and obviously coming from East London, um, and when West Ham offered us, I, I could be truthful, <laughs> they offered us. Uh, we lived then uh, on just a, a small place in um, in Woodford, and I think I remember West Ham offering us a, a washing machine and a dish uh, and a tumble dryer <laughs> and uh, some other bits and bobs, but we weren't tempted. We we would we loved the opportunity we got at. Um, at Watford, I, I at the time was lucky enough to to play for the England youth side, and but you look to look into West Ham's first team. They're Billy Bonds and Alvin Martin, um, and you know I didn't think that West Ham's creditability at the time was the fact that they were going to give loads of youngsters the chance, mm. and it proved to be the best move we made because we chose um, Watford, and and our hearts were you know it was a brilliant time. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's people that I've been. Pleasure speaking to obviously uh, along with yourself, the, the Callies, the Blissets, and people like that. And they've always spoke very, very highly of Tom Wally, and he's like a reflection of Graham Taylor, but for the yeah. youth team. I mean, how important was Tom Wally in your career, especially at the start? Well, if I'm being brutally honest, you know, we came from a, an inner London school and I was always in trouble. But, <laughs> but you know, that's a fact. And Graham, Graham and Tom, Steve Harrison, um, John Ward, uh, vital people, but Tom really was the one that really, I uh, we you know our dad, uh, sadly our dad left us when we were young people, and you know growing up with no, no father figure, Tom was like a father figure, and but he also gave he certainly gave me the discipline that I needed, and it was he was bang on to do it. I have to be honest, uh, it was many a time that um, I had a, a swift little look from Tom or a little uh, reminder that he was in charge and. Um, uh, and, and it was a big leadership to me. It was huge. I was lucky enough to be the captain of Watford youth team and and then obviously go on further. But at that time, I needed that discipline inside me and I certainly had the leadership from Tom Wally and an amazing character, an amazing man and wonderful family and 
and and it was like a family at that time. Mm. Did you start as a centre half, or is it just something you transition? Because a lot of people say, "Oh yeah, I started as a midfielder, and they sort of <laughs> had an injury or two in the youth team, and I got dropped back, and I never never looked back." Did, was no, that I, I was always a centre half. I mean, uh, I did play. I actually, I remember. Um, Steve Harrison put me on against Leicester to mark Gary McAllister and just said, kick him to bits, really. Um, in a nice, pleasant way, of course. Yeah. Um, I played right back a few times when I first started because there was a, we didn't, I think Gibbsy was out or some somebody wasn't getting a game. Um, I remember I think played at Roker Park at right back. And um, no, I was always a centre half. And we, you know, whether it be in a three or a two at the time, it was always a, a traditional number two. And, you know, playing next to John McClelland um, was a privilege. And certainly, I mean, me and him, you know, we had a great uh, rapport together. And it was he was a wonderful person to play next to. Yeah, yeah, I've I've heard many sort. I'll tell you what the, the the funny thing with the washing machine thing is very Brian, Brian Clough because I remember him do, signing um, Larry Lloyd with the um, promise of a washing machine for his missus apparently. So that's, that's definitely an old school um, bargaining tool. That's, that's absolutely brilliant hearing that. Um, yeah, yeah, well, you know, um, another thing as well. I've heard like for I say the olden days. Or I mean, I call that now as well. But um, especially, and I think this is brilliant the way they did it is where. And I don't know if it happened at Watford where the youth players, the certain players that they know that maybe moving into the, the certain player's position would sit with that player. So like Johnny Mack, like you said, you were you played with Johnny Mack. Um, did did they integrate you like that so that you would come into the dressing room, get familiar with the players, sit next to certain players that not saying directly replaced, but could be replaced and they sort of took you under their wing? Well, I think that the, the the biggest part is making that progression from the youth team to the reserves and then going into, obviously, the first team environment. Mm. I think when you look back at the youth team that we had, we had a very successful youth team. You know, people, David James, my brother, Malcolm Allen, Timmy Sherwood, Ewan Roberts. I mean, uh, we had a very good youth side and um, some good players there. And if I've forgotten anybody, I'm sorry. But yeah. that we, we we were successful. But we had we had this blend in our, in and this belief given given to us though by the, the hard training that we had. I mean, when we used to go into the you know the, the ground every morning, you know, you had to do your jobs. And I mean, it's different nowadays. Obviously, it's changed out of a lot, but. That gave you the grounding for what you really needed, and that gave you the discipline. And you know, you had to be on time. You weren't. If you were late, you were in banging trouble. And making that transition, you had some really good senior players in 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 that dressing room. You look back to Jan Loman, you look to um, uh, Les Taylor, and and even Brian Talbot. You know, this mm. uh, John Barnes. Come on, I mean, you know, David Bardsley was a very close friend of mine, and uh, I I was in digs with David. Um, uh, great character. So, I think that you, there was no way in them, them days that you could have a big divide in that dressing room. You'd get, you'd have got sorted out, and you'd have got told what you had to do. And, and I don't, you know, I don't think that was wrong. I think it was a really good thing, and it was a privilege to be around. Mm, I think that's something that's lost on today's, um, uh, you different know, plays. It's different <laughs> culture as well. You know, you're absolutely right. I think it's, you know, they they say you can't say it's a man's sport or anything like that. But you you know, you you were taught discipline, certain way of playing you know like said the transition was a bit more smoother as well um oh, you knew yeah. your role yeah. yeah i remember going to the rovers and uh, and and uh, uh with westy up front and i can't remember who i was playing with at the back it might have been big steve terry and i uh, one of their center forwards and and i, I still remember him because I, I i found him a few years later um he uh he broke my nose 
and he broke me. I was only 16 and he caught me with a right treat of a, an elbow in my my, my, my head. And um, I remember John Ward saying to me, well, you know, this is the big boys league now, you know, welcome to the man's world. But I think the first tackle went around about the bloke's uh, neck height. So, um, yeah, it, you, you had to make that transition, but also you had to handle yourself and you had to be able to look after yourself. And um, there's nothing wrong with that. No, exactly. exactly. I, I remember a certain incident in Norwich away um, back in 1990 <laughs> with Raw Fox. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, but look, look, something like that, I, I totally agree. I mean, you know, you got to look after yourself. Was that the tipping point where you sort of said, hang on a moment, like you said, it's a big boys league now. You you got to stand yeah. up for yourself. Was that the tipping point where you think, hang on, I've got to really sort of show show well, myself up now, make myself bigger? Yeah, yeah we had to. You had to stand up for yourself. There was no place to hide. And going back to Foxy, he was a friend of mine. He still is. And um, <laughs> I, I mean, we were a bit committed and probably a little bit too committed in that yeah. bit. But um, yeah, look, you had to have a play with a passion. And coming through the youth team, I can still remember Tom on the sideline. You know, come on, he was, uh, you know, he really wanted us to win. But there was a reason that Watford always did well in the South East Counties League and the football combination. It's because we had the, 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 the privilege of working with, you know, top coaches and people that gave you that ability to to find a way of winning. And, and that, that was a good grounding. We used to love going to Tottenham and to Arsenal's and going to upset a few people over London Coney or Cheshunt during the youth team and, and they were good days really good days mm, exactly did you uh, did you win the 1985 youth cup as well I we believe. didn't we got beat in the final that's it newcastle yeah newcastle. we I, and again i remember that because I, I, tom said to me there's a boy in midfield there called gascoigne make sure he doesn't get a kick <laughs> so I, we went up to newcastle and i think it was the first time i'd actually gone that far in in, in the country to be honest and um and a Mark Gazza, uh, and it was a you know he was a top quality player. We drew nil nil, and I can't remember. There was a big big crowd though, and um, and then we had to have, make a couple of changes in the, the home game. But to be fair, they were a year maybe sixteen months ahead of us in the, in terms of physicality, um, and they won the final and deservedly so. But it was a, you know it was an unbelievable occasion to, for Watford to get to the FA Youth Cup final. It was, it was amazing. We had some good players as well. Oh, I mean, you reeled off some there, and it's like I'm just listening, going, Jesus Christ, you didn't have a bad, didn't have too much of a shabby um, youth side. But that, that's the thing; you could reel them off now. I mean, we, we're fortunate, uh, fortunate in um, today's youth team. We've got three or four players that we're very fortunate we can reel off because we haven't had yeah. that for a good while. And that conveyor belt that we've yeah. been begging for, we had that yeah. for years. I remember that even when I was a teenager and watching you guys under. Um, Perryman and Rhoda, we always yeah. had that conveyor belt. We were yeah. always relied on that um, youth team element coming through. But I, I, we were I, obviously, I want to touch on as much as Watford as I can, if you don't mind, Dave. But um, yeah, no, Dean, it was it was a shame um, Dean left as well because I mean, I, I always oh. put him up as a really good, good. I mean, look what he achieved. I mean, you you had a brilliant career in in yourself anyway. But I mean, Dean really kicked on. Well, Dean, what he did. If you look back there, and, and, and some supporters perhaps won't know what um, how, how that happened, it was a, it was we had a, we had the, I think the manager at the time, Steve, and the, the team had a, an abundance of strikers. You had Malcolm Allen, you had Ewan Roberts, you had Walsh Sterling, and, and I think Dean was probably. And then you had a young another young boy that didn't go on to make it. It was a guy called Lybird Henry. Um, who was in the reserves with my brother, but my brother had to go out and I was fortunate enough to break into the first team, but 
Dean had to go out and, and earn his stripes, and he went to. Uh, I remember Clive Clive Middlemass rang rang me and said, "Would I come up to Carlisle with Dean?" And I was like, "Where's Carlisle?" But obviously, I know where that is now. But at the time. Uh, they wanted to give, you know, they wanted really wanted Dino to go there. And listen, Dean went to, I think he went to Swansea. I think he went to four or five clubs, scored goals. And uh, Dean was desperate because obviously his twin brother's breaking into the first team. Dean was desperate to go and get, earn that chance. And, and he proved the best thing he ever did because it was for him an opportunity to go and express himself. And, and Brentford got the fruits of his uh, goals, didn't they? He did fantastically well there and it's, it gave him the, 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 you know, the block to move on to. I mean, you both had stellar careers, solid careers in itself. Um, especially, I, I like to say, Mill fondly um, watching you at Watford being captain, uh, Hesse straight after you as well. But my one of my memories of you, are definitely the goal against Scarborough. Um, I think the olden one was a decent one as well as half decent as what I remember. Um, away, I remember that just before the Luton game. So we won't go there after that one, sadly. No. Uh, um, but. How many times did you actually play against Dean? Because I remember my fondest memory was when the FA Cup 96 at home, right. when we did the dying fly when Mooney scored that cracker. But they always <laughs> told you, and I heard from a couple of players that they told you to man mark, um, not obviously, obviously, man mark your brother. And I saw yeah. the battle you guys were having. It was absolutely brilliant. It's the main memory of that game. Um, well, I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it like yesterday, to be honest, because on the previous Saturday night when the draw was made, yeah. Dean and I were on the phone together and we were watching uh, the, the big match on the match of the day on the, on the when the draw was made. And as it went down one by one, um, we went, hold on a minute, we know what's coming. And uh, not many people remember there were the last two balls that were drawn out. Really? So, um, it, the lead up was very difficult because we, our mother certainly didn't want me to kick him, and and um, and that was that was always never going to be the case. But you're playing against a, obviously a Premier League team. We we were we were we were the underdogs, of course we were, and obviously my brothers flying in with the first team, and and, and they were a good side and very tough team to play against. Um, the, it was it was pressure, you know. You're marking your twin brother in in, a, in on match of the day, and obviously um, you, you're doing your best to. Uh, well, my problem was I didn't want to lose the game. As my brother scored, it wasn't really a problem to me. I didn't want to lose the game. I'm captain of Watford, and. I wanted us to get through. So um, when we scored and the lads dived on the on the on the floor, I was unaware about that. I have to be honest. And there was me and Colin Foster going, "What are they doing?" And um, <laughs> yeah. it was quite funny. But no, the the, the return leg was was a, a great game, and we 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 lost. I think it was on extra time. Yeah. Um, no, playing against my brother was was always listen. He's a fantastic player. Um, when I went to Birmingham, I scored the opening goal on, on Sky uh, header, and um, I can I've got a picture of my brother's face. He's holding his head in his hand, and but fortuitously for him, Graham Hyde, who, who handed the ball on the um, on the uh, in, on the goal line at the end, and Dino scored the penalty. So we, I think it was three all, and we played against each other a few times, and, and it was always a good battle. Yeah, exactly. Didn't you you both sign this? Um... For Bolton as well, didn't you? I saw. I've seen a picture yeah. of both yeah. of you doing like a promo sort of thing. Yeah. Well, it was again. I I come out of Birmingham, and Dean said Big Sam wants to, you to come over and help us. So, you know what? After spending sort of 14, 15 years apart, 
it was uh, it was uh, amazing to go and spend sort of four or five months. I was only going there to help him because there was something else in the pipeline. Um, and they'd just signed Ivan Campo. So I only went there to cover, really. Uh, but it was it was great to share a, uh, uh, an apartment with my brother up in Bolton for a few a few months. And it was it was a great experience, uh, you know, playing with Jock IF and um, JJ Akotia. I mean, some proper players. And mm. they had a very good squad. So I was it was a privilege to go there, I must say. Yeah, definitely. And uh, like I said, before we before we went on record and um, started this, I was saying about um, asking you, and this is more of a fanboy thing for me, but what really went wrong, what was so right um, mid-90s, it went so wrong in 95, 96, because really, Ro Glenn got such a really solid unit there. We got a club record, was it 12 clean sheets as well? Yeah. Um, yeah. Colin Foster, Millen, yourself. I mean, we had some proper centre-backs back then. I mean, I'll kill for some of them now. I mean, we've got a couple of decent <laughs> ones signed now, but leaders all over the pitch. You had the Hesse's, Payne, yes. yourself, obviously, Miller, uh, Miller, you know, all these type of players, real leaders. But what do you think really went wrong the following season that sort of curtailed that? I think there's a lot of things that you can say why things went wrong there. And, um, you know, it's not it's a long time ago now. And yeah. obviously, and reflect we did have that, that i mean we kept i think it was 11 or 12 clean sheets on the trot which was an amazing aspect i think when glenn uh, glenn decided to leave and obviously there was other situations in the boardroom perhaps that weren't con conducive to making it stable and that's always the hardest thing when you've got a club that has too many changes to have that continuity, you you know, you wanted Watford to grow and then really break into the next level, and sadly, it wasn't uh, able to do so. Yeah, I mean, that was, I mean, it's a sad, sad ending to a lot of people's careers at Watford. And like I said, for me personally, being 12 13 at the time was one of yeah. my favorite ever teams, wasn't like I've yeah. already said to you, it wasn't one of me, one of wasn't the uh, one of the best Watford teams, but certainly one of my favorite all time teams. Some of my favorite players, which I'm like, say, with meeting you today and meeting a few yeah. others, I'm really privileged to have had that, um, uh, you know, to uh, meet you. But uh, yeah, we've um, obviously you left, um, you left Watford for a new challenge. Um, for um, Sheffield United, how did that come about? Well, I've been again to go back to times when you think about you know, and you, when you reflect on it. I mean, I spent over 15 years at Watford, and uh, you know, opportunities for me to leave, and that was pre Bosman time, so you just couldn't get up and go. Um, and I know that the club had turned down a few offers for me, and uh, I'd spoken to a few people during that time. But I was very loyal when I, I wanted to be loyal. I'm making all them, them uh, appearances for Watford, captain in the club from schoolboy through to the first team, was an absolute privilege. I, I, you know, um, it was a great place to play. And but uh, I didn't particularly. How can I put it? At the time, I wasn't. I was aware of Sheffield United's um, uh, uh, interest in me. The club was going through a time where they needed the money. And they got a, a handsome fee for me at the time. Um, and really, I, I, the, one of the biggest attractions to going up to Sheffield United and, and was Howard Kendall. Um, the man it was a genius and, and an incredible man. And I still like him. You know, when you think about, I'd like, to, I'd love to see Graham Taylor and Howard Kendall sitting in heaven right now and uh, you know having a chat about tactics because two incredible people. Um, and big people in my life. So Howard was a fantastic man manager, and he made me captain after a couple of weeks there. And um, and again, pulling on the, the Watford shirt, but also pulling the Blade shirt on and being captain of a, a good club um, with very, very straightforward and honest supporters was always a privilege. So I was very fortunate.
Mm, I bet. And I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of the um, Sheffield United side back then, Peter Cachiro, um, yeah. A lot of other, a lot of other players um, play for a really, really solid side. And I mean, my father-in-law's an Evertonian, and he, I mean, yeah. Howard Kendall, they yeah. absolutely god worship him. Mate. A bit like like us with GT. Yes, um, he's absolutely amazing, mate. So you've really been fortunate. I mean, I know you know this anyway, but I mean, from one fantastic manager to another, and uh, some really solid players. But what was it an easy decision leaving Watford? I mean, you said you had oh, 14, no. great 14, 15 years to leave. Um, to, I, I, uh, I, I, yeah. Um, I, I, I think the club needed the money and at the time the opportunity came about there was a lot of changes again and I'd sort of been there a long, long time I, for me it had been a privilege to play at Watford and always coming back to Watford even playing against them was quite difficult for me um, and I, you know so many fan, fantastic memories playing with people but also characters off the pitch as well you know um, I, I, I stayed and lived in, when I was an apprentice there with um, Cliff Vassiliou and uh, Cliff the Greek, uh, who was just an incredible character. Sadly, he, he passed away and uh, very upsetting. He, an incredible man and his family, his sons and, he, and his, you know, all of his family were wonderful to me. And there was a lot of people in Watford where you grow up because you become part of that, that, that family. So it was. It wasn't easy, and I said I'd stayed a long, long time. And I, um, the, the opportunity to go up to Yorkshire um, came about. And but playing for Howard was the biggest thing, really. And then I did. I, I was lucky enough to play with Ian Rush. I played with Nigel Spackman. I played with Paul McGrath. And amongst the Peter Caturo was a great character. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, I mean, Paul McGrath. I mean, Jesus, he's one of. The, best finest centre backs. I mean a lot of players that have played with him said he's one of the best centre backs they've ever played with. Well the thing is is that he came and he, he, his days were I would say limited because of his, his injuries and etc. And he played in the middle of there was Carl Tyler on the left and me on the right. Um we had some some good performances. I mean some great players, Dean Saunders, you know, yeah. that came Yana Gafiotov um and yeah, it was. I was. I was very privileged to, to captain Sheffield United and play with some of those players. But going to the, the key of it was the attraction was Howard Kendall and an incredible man. Him, Viv Busby, John Bailey, and Spackers, um, brilliant people. Yeah, you got to the playoffs as well. I believe in your first season, was it? We did, and we lost in the last moment. And I can still remember the goal, uh, the boy calling, curling the ball on. It made his career, but. Incredible day at Wembley. Um, leading the team out was an absolute honour, as, as always. And um, and I can still remember Howard saying something private to me, which I'll, I'll keep to myself. But he he was an incredible man management. Um, and even after the game, when we had a, a few glasses of wine and we looked back, um, the sad thing was for us is that he, he told me after the game that he was going back to Everton, which was um, uh, was hard to take. But again, as captain of Sheffield United at the time, I, I was I was very privileged. Mm, exactly. And no, I think heaven's a richer place with certainly those uh, two or oh, three yeah. legends up there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 1999, around that sort of time, Birmingham came calling. Um, what appealed to you um, going to Birmingham? Was it once again, you know, fresh challenge? Another, another well, um, thing is, the, the club, Sheffield United at the time, was having a very uh, leadership from the, the chairman there and there was a lot of uh, disgruntled people in the ballroom. Steve came in as manager and they obviously had to make, I think they sold five of us in a week. I mean, there was uh, uh, Graham Stewart, there was myself, Brian Dean, uh, Dean Saunders left, um, I think Don Hutchinson left. 
And then uh, Trevor Francis came in for me and I went to speak to Trevor. Uh, it wasn't that I didn't want to go. I, I loved the club at Blades. And, um, but Trevor was, uh, and Trevor is an amazing man. And so meeting him, but knowing the club were going to sell everybody, um, it wasn't really that big a decision to make because you want to go for pick the club that's going to go. And um, Birmingham hadn't made the playoffs um, for the, the previous four or five years. So Trevor was under quite a lot of pressure. Um, to, to sign me they lost Gary Ablett he got an injury and um, and he came in for me and I had a discussion with him and yeah playing for Trevor Francis was another absolute honour and obviously Birmingham City another big club um, and we made the playoffs mm, Exactly um, your time at, I mean I haven't really looked I, I always followed you on the Sheffield United route after you left and a lot of people did and I know um a few nice little receptions when we went, especially when we went away to um, see. I mean, more out of respect, but you know, you're going to get stick from um, your ex club, even though we, uh, even though we love our players. You know, you go get a little bit of that. But um, <laughs> your time at Birmingham, how do you look upon that? I mean, you always look. I mean, from what I see, is you've never really had a bad spell at any club, and it's you've always no. looked strongly in every single club you've been at. Well, uh, thank you for that, and I appreciate it. I, I, I listen. I was captain of Birmingham as well, so I went on to en enjoy that, uh, that that option, and and being given that was a privilege as well because I was playing with you know some very good players there. I mean, Andrew Johnson, Martin O'Connor, a, a lot of good players. Peter and Love, Paul Furlong, who, who you know what we all know very well. Um, going to Birmingham was good. I went there. But Steve Bruce and I didn't really see eye to eye at that time. And when when I left Sheffield United, he was the manager, and um, and then when Trevor sadly got the sack, I knew the next person coming through the front front door might not, I mean, he might not get on. <laughs> um, it, it, you know, Steve was the next manager of Birmingham after after that. So we he had his own ideas, and I we had um, a few good uh, interesting discussions, if you like. Um, but that's football for you, and we, you know, we got on after that, no problem whatsoever. But as I say, I, I look back. I think I played over a hundred games for Birmingham, and I, I really enjoyed playing at St Andrews. Loved them. The supporters were very, very passionate people, like, like the Blades fans, and certainly like Watford fans. You know, want their club to do well. No, it was a privilege to play for Birmingham, and I played with some very good players as well. So it was lucky. I bet you must keep in touch with a hell of a lot of your your ex-teammates of amount of not hundreds of clubs you played for some really really decent clubs here I'm I bet you yeah. keep in touch with a lot of them I always you know what going back to clubs and even coming back to Watford and I, I came back to, to Watford in the summer to the Elton John concert that was a, a brilliant thing I uh, met all the guys Luther and the you know Paul Franklin and some really lovely chaps who I hadn't seen for a long time. So that was always nice. Being Coming back to Watford was sad for me. The, one of the recent times when I, I laid a reef on the pitch for Glenn Roder and Glenn was, you know, I think, you know, amazing character, Glenn. I shared a room with him for, I think, about two years and we had, when we shared a car, Glenn was uh, horse racing mad and we always used to have to stop at a bookies on the way home um, to find out if his, his best horse had won or something like that. And <laughs> so, you know, some fond memories of, of, of great people and seeing Gary Porter and, uh, you know, uh, just great memories for me. Yeah, uh, like you said, I've always said, you know, the mid-90s team, I, I loved it. The football, some of the time, the football we played was absolutely brilliant. It just unraveled itself near the end with injuries and like you said changes at the club all went for the better eventually but yeah no it's just a sad end but yeah Rhoda you know God rest his soul uh, another another legend 
when Glenn came to to uh, Watford, we played. You might recall this yourself. We played. I think Newcastle four times um, in in the FA Cup, and every time I had to mark a bloke called Mirandinha, who was like the, one of the first Brazilians to come over. Yeah. Um, so that was a good tassel, and I can still remember it. And he was a lively little character. Um, and then after Glenn scored that goal, he scored the own goal that took us through. I don't know if you might remember that. But Maybe. and then about two weeks later, Tom Wally says to me, um, "The Masters come in uh, in Tom's uh, unique way," and it was Glenn. And um, it, again, he picked, we we lived not too far apart on the outskirts of um, London, um, and me and Glenn used to share a car every day. Mm, you did, people don't realise how good a player actually Glenn was, and he yeah. certainly, certainly, um, we were, he was badly missed in 1991 when we got injured because I mean you you had a bad injury that season as well, and yeah. um, the club just managed to stay up. I mean we had we were in the wilderness for a long long time, but we had that glimmer of light in the mid nineties when we finished seventh. That's right, um, and it could have yeah. really could have really got kicked on from them, which is a shame because like I said, we had a solid base there and a lot yeah. of leaders there. Something mm. that um teams cry out for nowadays well i think that's leadership it comes from within and you have to have that from your manager your coaches and certainly everybody has to pull their way and i think when you've got an abundance of them you only have to look at the top teams in every division they've generally got a very good rapport and certainly um you've only got to look at england last night to be honest one of the first things i noticed last night was when harry kane scored that goal every player was around him and it showed that that unity on on the pitch and, and i'm sure that spreads off the pitch Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just like, like to touch on. Just obviously, before we shut this out, I've got a few fire, quick fire ones, which are literally just right. one word ones as well. But okay. just talking about um, what you're currently doing. I mean, you managed you managed a uh, host of clubs as well, notably Gretna. Um, how did that come about? That's, yeah, well, it was really quite weird. I was offered a chance to go and play for. It was not in the forest. There was and my brother with Wimbledon. And I got a phone call completely out of the blue from a, a gentleman called Brooks Marlson. And I was living out in Wolver, near Wolverham Abbey. Um, uh, and this chap rings me and he said, Hi, Mr. Holdsworth, I, I would like you to, to um, build me a football club. So I thought, you know, as you do, I'm thinking, where's Jeremy Beadle? My brother set me up. And um, I, I went to meet him at the Marriott Hotel at Wolverham Abbey. Anyway, this, this little chap walks in with a beard and he was smoking as you did that, he did at the time. Um, and we sat down and he said, I want you to build me a football I'm buying Gretna Football Club. And the first thing I said was, where's Gretna? So mm. um, we had a laugh and he was a, 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 a Mackham Brooks. He was a, 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 from uh, Bennymore and incredible character. And he said, look, I want you to, to show me how to build a football club. And I know who gave him, it was another chairman, gave him my name. So I was very privileged and and an honour to be given that opportunity. He asked me, I sat down um, and wrote about an eight to 10 page dossier on, on what a football club should be. It was a part-time football club. So my first responsibility was there, but also it's not around the corner. So I ended up doing three flights a week from Stansted to Newcastle and, and playing on a Saturday and then going home. And then I did all the contracts for him to for a part-time club to a full-time club. So his, I mean, Gretna's a small place. The club was, was, was it still is. I've actually been up there recently. Yeah. And um, he wanted to take this club. His, his first club was Carlisle because he, he had this amazing, um, he, he loved Carlisle for, for whatever reason. And then and that's fine. But he, he couldn't buy Carlisle because they had an owner at the time who didn't want to sell it to Brooks. They didn't get on. So we ended up buying uh, Gretna and we took it from 
Scottish third, second, first to the to the Premier League, and we got to the Scottish Cup final. It was an incredible journey. That I don't think that'll ever be done again, unless uh, it'd be a freak. But that that was an incredible time for me. But it was important for me to learn about a football club, doing everything behind the scenes. Um, but I was living in London, and then I moved. Ended up we Brooks and I got on fabulously well, and he's still the you know he's still up, you know another one in heaven who I'd love to ever have a chat with. One day we will. Um, but he was my little boy's godfather, and um, and his family, uh, and lovely, lovely people. Sadly, he passed away a few years back, and there were great memories. I mean, what a journey it was. I mean, you know, I remember when we we won the Scottish second division, and he came out of the. Um, I think it was Hamden Park. We played Queens Park. And he, he had tears on my shoulder. I mean, you don't find that type of um, uh, man very often. And he just said, David, you know, I've, I've had a great time. Can we go again? And I ended up um, staying there and moved up to Cumbria, great part of the world, and had a great relationship with him. He um, he was so close. We were we were very, very close people. And, and it, again, it was. A, I've been very fortunate to meet you know, some lovely, lovely people like that. Mm, exactly and a, a lot of people it got a lot of coverage and a lot of people including myself were following Gretna and it was one of those fairy tale stories it's like a well, club out of nowhere yeah. just um you know not coming into money coming into a little bit of money but someone who with a dream oh. um trying to live it really wasn't it it was it's an incredible story and as i say when the further we went on the, the more brooks enjoyed himself him and his, his lovely son craig and family um the journey was incredible because we became everybody's second team i ran the reserves as well up there and obviously it was bringing good youngsters through there were some really good boys that we got on our radar and um we, we brought on, on up to gretna i mean kenny duca was a doctor before we played for gretna and everybody knew kenny duca and we and david bingham and people like and um, Andy Smith, you know, good characters. Um, and the journey was unprecedented, if you like, because no one else had ever done that. But the biggest person it was because of, it was because of Brooks Molson, not anybody else. We all worked very hard because he was such a lovely person and a man. Um, but also the journey was, yeah, it's, I don't think anybody else will do it, but you never know. But it, 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 right now it stands alone because of Brooks Molson, not anybody else. Mm. Exactly. I did, a lot of people, I mean, um, we know you as one hell of a legend at Watford and what you did for us was absolutely amazing. We always thank you for that. But it certainly put you on the it put you on the map for people who didn't know who you were, which I, I could believe it. I had to explain to people, this is the guy who was sent back for Watford. It's absolutely amazing. He played for Watford, but that was, it was great. But it must have been great for you as well. Oh, bless you. That's very kind. I Listen, I look back at Watford and it, it was an incredible journey. And I, I mean, when I, I was, uh, the, the funny thing was, I was, I was actually, been to be sold and I before I smashed my knee in I mean Stevie P I think the club were um they'd spoken to Leeds and Howard Kendall and I'll tell you the reason why about Howard again and and, and there was at Manchester City I believe so they said to me look this is your last game and were, I think there was only one or two subs at the time 10 minutes into that match I was I was in hospital um I was right over the road there in the hospital with a cruciate ligament injury and um and nowadays you would never play would you you would never yeah. play and the club would have sold you and told you not to play because you're getting sold for a million quid or whatever it was and there was a money to the club 
I say, I spent 13 months out that that year, and, and it was tough getting over that um, that injury, the cruciate injury and lateral lateral injury. Um, but I still remember the first game back. I was at Plymouth away, and I got mad at a match. We drew nil nil, I think it was. And the, my memories are, are, are amazing about Watford. Uh, so many of them, and I've been, as I say, I was lucky enough to play and be guided by lots of lovely people and and great characters. But the the, the team itself, to say, we, it, the club went through transition after Harry Bassett came after Dave. Uh, sorry, after Graham, and you know that was a transition that was probably too much at the time. If you look back at it, um, and as I say, you, you stay a long time, and I and I did. I I, I, I always wanted to play like 250 games for Watford, so I, I managed to, to do that, and and it was an honour. I say pulling on that shirt, I can still see all them shirts in the background there, and there's some great memories. The Iveco one. Um, <laughs> And yeah, you know, there was a lot of good players that came to Watford. You know, you remember Kevin Phillips and good Bruce Dyers and people like that. You know, great characters. Oh, definitely. Yeah, no, no that, that I've got a couple of purple ones. That purple one's blank, but the other one's got um, the Holdsworth and five on it. So um, I definitely. thought I'd tell you that. Oh, well, <laughs> the, other one, the other one's got Rambo and six and eleven and Phillips. So um, one yeah. or two favourites. Um, right, just just before we got in, like I said. Dave, thank you ever so much. We've got uh, gone over the match you agree. So uh, absolutely amazing. I couldn't thank you enough. Um, definitely one of the legends I've ticked off that I really, really wanted to interview. So thank you very much. Just a couple of quick fire, if that's all right. Um, yeah. Best team you faced? Best team. <laughs> I'm going to go Tottenham with Klinsman in it. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Klinsman. But um, yeah, so best, uh, best player you played with? Oh dear, that's a really tough one. Played with um, yep. Glen Roder. Yeah, yeah. I've already done the best player played against. Yeah, Klinsman, and I've seen another interviews. He said Klinsman. Um, I won't mention the six. I won't mention the six three at Vic, um, well, which is hard, wouldn't it? I don't mind because I remember Perry Digweed uh, yeah. digging the ball out after he scored his header at the far post and I thought he can't score. And he ended up putting it in the other far post and Perry was going to clap it. <laughs> but the return game, we went to White Hart Lane and we won. Do you remember? Yes. Yes. And I was actually there that one. And um, yeah, we should have, we had more, we had as many chances. And I think Rod, I agree with Rhoda. We should have, we had as many chances to beat them 6-2-6-3 as well at one yeah. stage. Yeah, I remember Nogan sort of like chesting it in from the the last goal. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, best manager and coach. I know you. This is probably got a really hard one because you've had some fantastic coaches you've worked with. Best manager. How do you split? How can you split Graham Taylor and Howard Kendall? Yeah. Um, that's an impossible task for me because per, because of my personal relationship with them. Um, I think you know coaches. Tom Wally. Come on. Yeah. You, Somebody's a legend and an amazing man. Mm, exactly. I'm so fortunate I've met him. Well, bumped into him by mistake. My mate tapped me on my back and he was behind <laughs> me. So I'll oh, never forget that. Absolutely brilliant. Best ground, finally, best ground and why? Probably an obvious one, but... That's a tough one. I mean, I've got a soft spot, obviously, for Vicarage Road, soft, mm. soft spot for Bramwell Lane. I think leading the, leading the team out at Wembley... Um, for Sheffield United was an incredible honour. It was more about Wembley. My children, my son was there. Um, I, 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 go, I have to go Wembley. I can't go beyond yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Brilliant. Thank you ever so much, Dave. 
Um, absolute honour and a privilege. And uh, we're, well, you're well, always welcome. Obviously, you'll always be welcome at the Vic and you get an absolute amazing reception. Um, not the excitement that we used to give you at St Andrews and Bremel when we saw you, but certainly a much better one than that when you turn up yeah. once again. But I'll look forward to meeting you at the Vic. Absolutely. Pleasure. Thank you so much.